Hello. Hey. And welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Brendan, there's been some news uh, that's been shared with us recently. Breaking news. Interesting. You thought Pokemon were big? They're not. Gigantamax is big. Dynamax is yesterday's milk. Blech! I've had enough of this. Too small, I say. Gigantamax, the proper size for your Pokemon. Pokemon have gotten even bigger. Uh, Brendan, I think you, you were like, <laughs> we talked about this every day for the last few weeks, and you're like, I can't even imagine them getting any bigger. Like, this is huge. And I was like, shut the fuck up, because yeah. I know a better day is coming. Yeah. Brighter day is coming, and here it is. Gigantamax, it's right. There are certain Pokemon out there that can get even bigger than Dynamax, and they change. Yeah. Um, which ones can do that? So which ones can do that? The just th- on the surface <laughs> level. <laughs> just cutting me even- off a little bit. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> even said hello yet. Before, oh, hi. Yeah. Hello. Oh, hey, what's up? How's My it going? name is Brendan Bigley. Um, here's the thing. <laughs> so, like, there, I don't want to get into the discourse of people who are angry at the Pokemon Company. I don't want to talk no, about it. No, neither do I. I. I find it sickening. But yeah, same. It make it my stomach. Um, no, the the thing <laughs> that I think is hilarious about it is like, okay, they got rid of Mega Evolutions, which people were like mad about. And I just remember when Mega Evolutions came out, and everybody was like, "What is like? We don't need this. This is wild. Yeah. Why is this a mechanic that you're adding? You're just like artificially trying to make battling seem different, so it can seem like you're updating the game, like." I just want Pokemon is what I want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. all I really care about. But anyway, people got upset that Mega Evolutions were going away. And then all of a sudden they announced this is Gigantamax. They just changed the name of Mega Evolutions. It's just you yeah, can dude. Mega Evolve, but they got to be big first. <laughs> like that's, I love it. I love yeah. the animation of the trainer just throwing like a bowling ball like over their head. It's yeah, the into new, the, the sky. Gigantamax <laughs> Pokeball. <laughs> take this. Here, God, take my Pokemon. <laughs> dude i like i once you get to my age 29 uh, an old man (laughs) Uh i'm kidding but i know you're like the same age uh but once you get to my age or at least once you are like me for whatever reason cursed you'll not be able to tell what parts of your life are a dream or not and (laughs) me just seeing the word gigantamax on twitter i was like is this a dream i can't like this is not (laughs) do you ever have dreams where it's like you have like a pretty mundane conversation and then you're like was did that actually happen all the time can i yeah can i like not even anything spectacular but like i just dreamt that brendan and i talked like a lot about cooking like did this actually happen (laughs) um gigantamax is one of those it took me like a couple days to realize that it was real it is um, real it's happening the world is different now and you gotta I start have coping me- with it i have memento scribbles all over me like you know like never forget gigantamax <laughs> like here are the pokemon that can change and there's like guidelines um yeah they did also reveal some stuff about sword and shield kind of just out of nowhere it wasn't even a direct like the Pokemon Twitter just like had a weird day where they're like, here's all this. Didn't think you saw this coming. And fucking <laughs> Pokemon WikiLeaks from the source. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to go through some of the stuff that I thought was kind of fun. Uh, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Um, I, I would love here. nothing more. Because I, I kind of was tuned out of this because I, I was so busy this week. So I'm really excited this to hear about a this 60, stuff. This will be a 60 minutes Gigantamax kind of segment. Uh <laughs> Uh, first and foremost, Grootke Gang, it's official. Uh, if you're not joining it, you're you're falling behind. Because um, the other <laughs> ones are the Sobble Squad or the Score Bunny Squad. Like, they didn't even have different names. Yeah, like, they're Score just Bunny the Bunch. same. Yeah. 
Which means that, like, they're the wrong choice. The Grookey gang is the only acceptable option. Um, follow suit or fall behind. Sort of join or die kind of scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly... <clears throat> here's the thing. Uh, Sobble, great. I just need to learn more. You know what I mean? Like, Grookey is the obvious choice now, but until we start seeing more evolved forms, like, I can't say definitively that I'm part of the Grookey gang. Uh, but, but, I mean, you know, it's it's the right choice currently. Yeah. I have a weird thing with Sobble where, like, depending on the evolutions, I think that might be the, like, silliest evolution. Like, if they, if yes. they track, if they keep going with it, just getting sadder and sadder. Right. If at the end it's it Pagliacci be- <laughs> the clown, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you try- Gigantamax <laughs> is awful, and he's just like, Bada peroso, peroso. <laughs> and then someone falls asleep for three turns. Yeah, but doctor, I'm Sobble the clown. Sorry, I just got a letter from my landlord, and I had to leave this apartment after screaming <laughs> like mock Pagliacci on the first unit. <laughs> so that's the Grookey gang. Uh, moving on, um, <laughs> one of the first. Gigantamax Pokemon they've revealed is uh Gigantamax Dreadnaw. Um, this is fine. This is like you know what it feels like? It feels like this has been said before that I feel like Pokemon has become like increasingly Digimon-esque over the years. Yeah. But oh now they're God, like yeah. not even hiding it. They're like, no, we just like took Digimon's brand and are like smearing it on our faces now. And that's what <laughs> Gigantamax Dreadnaw feels like. It even has kind of like the Matrix, like digital, like pink hue to it, where it's like kind of like, is this real or isn't it? Uh, yeah, I Matrix feel like they're all holograms. Is is what I'm starting to get the sense, like from the vibe, yeah. like from from the hue of of the Gigantamax there's something, Pokemon. There's some outside of our like weird bits. There's something oddly present in the material we know about the world that suggests like corporate lies. <laughs> Like, yes. and I'll get to that later. Uh, but I, I think there's the thing, something. Dreadnaw, yeah. Dreadnaw. So Gigantamax Dreadnaw, like changing and becoming a new thing. That does that confirm that Dreadnaw does not evolve and that Dreadnaw is just always Dreadnaw? Because like it seemed that Pokemon specifically with like uh, for those of you who are listening and not like looking at a picture of Dreadnaw like I am right now. Um, Dreadnaw was the one that had like kind of the the big chompers. It looks like a like a turtle. Um, and it had what looked like. A kind of rock sticking out of its head, almost like a mohawk that looked like it was going to grow as it evolved into like a big sword or something. Um, but I guess it just doesn't evolve and just becomes yeah, I don't think it does. Dreadnought when you throw it into the air as a offering what, to our Lord. What a powerful brand, though, to have no real evolution, but you can Gigantamax. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'll never grow up, but I'll tell you what I want to grow up to be. <laughs> That'd be great Gigantamax if all the Pokemon Dreadnought. that couldn't evolve. G- Gigantamaxed, that'd be great. Yeah, that would be that would be a really cool like ugly duckling kind of narrative. Yeah. Have we um, talked about far fetched evolving on this show? Was that on this show? This could have been one of the situations where I might have dreamed the conversation that we had. It is baffling that far fetched evolving is not on this show because we might as well just have a podcast about far fetched evolving because I think that's. <laughs> Somehow everything we've ever wanted to discuss. But what's your what's your take on far fetched? My my dream evolution for Farfetch is that it is just holding two leaks instead of one, like just one in each hand, and that's the <laughs> yeah, whole evolution. Gonna... Yeah, I like that. 
he definitely they could fall into sort of a Don Quixote vibe with Farfetch'd, I think. Because yeah. he kinda has it's almost like a fake sword. He he holds the leak as if it's a weapon. Right. Um, I think you could roll into that. I could also see yeah, a situation in which, sorry, I, I have to keep going on Farfetch'd because no, I no, no, am thinking it. about it all the time. I could see a situation in which when it evolves, it is revealed that the Farfetch'd is the leak and not the bird. So the leak oh. becomes gigantic and grows a face or something and it's holding the bird <laughs> and they switch places. <laughs> and the, yeah, it's like Farfetch'd, the, the bird is Zazu flying around the leak Farfetch'd. Yes. And he's like, ah, you better not anger the big vegetable. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what I want. Um, that's yeah, Gigantamax that's Farfetch'd. That's Gigantamax Farfetch'd, which is hard to say. Gigantamax Dreadnought is interesting. It's It's pretty like... It's cool. It's fine. What I do like is that he is standing on his hind legs and his four, his four legs look, it still implies that he is quadrupedal. So he's like standing upright to be threatening, but yeah. doesn't gravitate towards doing that, which I'm into. Right. Um, I'm the same Three way. out of five. Three out of five. Um, what else we got here? Let me look at all my screenshots. I'm just going to go through all the Gigantamax ones first. Oh, Al Creamy. We don't need to. This is this is like Gooigi where like everything that you could have said about this <laughs> yeah. has been said. It becomes like a giant wedding cake. And Al Creamy itself is uh, a whipped cream Pokemon. Yeah. This is from the Pokemon Twitter. Meet Al Creamy, the cream Pokemon. Al Creamy can produce whipped cream, which becomes richer the happier Al Creamy is feeling. Many pastry chefs strive to have an Al Creamy as their partner. Yeah. I have never in my whole life seen a thing get announced online and then hear the same joke get made in real life in my office, like with the frequency and and the velocity of when El Creamy was announced. It was just right. like throughout the office. I just heard people whispering the same thing over and over again. It's like, yeah, we all have the same take on this. Yeah. Um. So that's El Creamy. We'll leave it at that. Uh. Honestly, like, yeah, there's nothing to say. But Gigantamax uh, but more- El Creamy. Dragonassal Creamy is a big wedding cake. Uh, the cream pouring out of its body hardens upon impact. This is a nightmare to read. Um, <laughs> Just bad. Just bad all the, the way cream, down. The cream pouring out of its body hardens upon impact. The stronger the impact, the harder it becomes. Decorations on its body are as hard as diamonds. It seems most attacks won't leave a scratch. That's so, kind of rad. It's awesome. Like I was going to say, like I, I like... Everything but how they worded this <laughs> is great. Yeah, I, I completely like, agree. Everything about yeah. this Pokemon is great, except for the like pervert who wrote this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. I yeah. I, it's no sh- fucking neon Gigantamax El Creamy. It's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, our guy, our muse, mm-hmm. Corviknight, also has a Gigantamax form. Yeah. Which literally, if you look at the screenshot, feels like the last thing this dimension sees before it's reset. Uh, sort of like a, a dark phoenix vibe. I need you to Gig- read and explain to me this this description. Because yeah. what is happening? Gigantamax Corviknight. Gigantamax energy causes armor on Corviknight's wings to separate uh-huh. and become blade birds, which can fly independently. Okay. Corviknight launches these blade birds using them to slash its opponents. Okay. So what are your what what are your questions? <laughs> I don't see why you're confused. Okay. So Corviknight Gigantamax, the the, ta- the taxi nightmare bird. Gigantamax yeah, the taxi nightmare bird. That gives you like when he takes you places, you get there faster, but you die sooner. That's what we established as canon. Yeah, yeah, you you die yeah. sooner, and you learn something 
uh, about somebody's future, but you don't know whose. And you'll um, have a nightmare, but you don't know when. Right, <laughs> you, you don't know when. Yeah, yeah, it'll hit you at any yeah. point from now until death. Um, and you'll wake up and you'll be like, oh, it's just a dream, but there's one feather that is actually a blade bird on your desk. Right. Okay, so we're all on the same page. Okay, good. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Good, So good, that, good. That, that Corviknight, just so you don't get confused with, you know, other Corviknights in your life. Um, when Corviknight Gigantamaxes, its wings separate and become blade birds, which can fly independently. That is the quote mm-hmm. here. Blade blade birds. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are they are they are they feathers that can fly independently, or are are they separate birds? Are they small Corviknights? Are they like crows? Um. Have you played Final Fantasy VI? No. So the final boss when you fight Kefka, it's like oddly sort of biblical imagery where there's like like those old paintings of angels where there are like little angels surrounding them, like sort of like an outstretched hand and like under the wing are like cherubs like gossiping. Uh That's kind of the like, that's kind of the like aura Corviknight has where in its presence are like littler versions of itself that are like, like that, that's. The thing is, like, Corviknight is moving so quickly that, like, if you were to wave your arm, you see kind of, like, blurry, a blurry v- image of your arm. When Corviknight moves quickly, which it always is, um, it's a taxi cab service, um, <laughs> it, it's it, leaves, it leaves versions of itself that, as a mortal, we can perceive, which are baby versions of itself. So, like, we can only even perceive Gigantamax Corviknight at its, like, most early stages of infancy. Right. That's what we're dealing with here. Before our minds get ripped apart when we try and look at it directly. Before the dimension gets reset and we all wake up as babies. <laughs> this is too weird <laughs> even for me. I actually just scared myself. <laughs> goo goo gaga, you're all children compared to me, a big bird. <laughs> Gust. <laughs> Aerial the ace. Is, the thing is, I don't see like what... What opponent, like all jokes aside, yeah, just looking at the data here, like we'll do an old historicist view of like just looking at the text, no sure. other bullshit. Absolutely. What opponent would you need Gigantamax Corviknight to face against? Can you imagine a threat in the Pokemon world that requires a nightmare bird that has littler birds as its wings? I I literally can't imagine an opponent except for maybe maybe. The what? big wedding cake. I was gonna say maybe the big <laughs> wedding cake. Right. Because you have like you have celebration and like this sort of uh portrayal like wedding cake implies so much about life and joy and celebration. Gigantamax Corviknight is the void of that. Well, it is it is literally life and death. I you think. say that, but Gigantamax Al Creamy, uh Decorations on his body are as hard as diamonds. It seems most attacks won't leave a strength. And then you look at that face. I mean, it is just like a a void smile on top of a wedding cake. It is like it is mm. as terrifying in some ways as Corviknight in that it is using the facade of something so oh so loved. I see. So, you know what I mean? Gotcha. Corviknight, Corviknight at is, least like is is, is just what you think. You know what I mean? Like you right. look at Corviknight, it's like that thing is going to flay my brain. Uh, when I look at El Creamy, it's like I kind of want to eat that, and then I go to do it, and all my teeth break, and then it just laughs at me. 
when you look at when you look at Jacob Evans' Corviknight, your brain screams at you all seven deadly sins, and then you explode. <laughs> <laughs> you look at Alchemy, you're like, I don't know, this could be fun. Right, and then you're this in for a world of day. hurt. You know what I mean? And then you're in for a world of hurt, yeah. So yeah. that's what's going on here. So let's move on before we start writing actual fan fiction. Um, <laughs> uh, so those are all the Gigantamax that they revealed, yeah. um, which is hilarious. I cannot wait to see more. I like honestly did not care about Mega Evolutions because most of them, as we've discussed, were kind of like bad designs. I always think of Mega Gengar. Yes, like, I was ah. just about to bring yeah. up Mega Gengar. Yes, Mega Gengar is, is like truly like they took the first DeviantArt version of it. Was like, yeah, sure. Mega um, Gengar looks like me in fifth grade when I spiked my hair because I thought it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like Gengar um, got a bunch of hair gel and went for it. Even Mega, like, even the Mega Charizard is, like, or there's two of them. We don't have to get too into this, but Mega Blastoise is kind of like that, where, like, when your dad grows a goatee, that's Mega Blastoise. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. When your dad grows a goatee and does Blues Travelers cl- covers at the local bar is Mega Blastoise. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, um, there are some new Pokemon they announced. Uh, kind of coming off the Corviknight train, we got Roly-Coly, who is a little hunk of ore. Yeah, and I'm going to read the description here. I, honestly, nothing but respect for whoever is running the Pokemon Twitter, because a lot of these descriptions are just amazing. Um, other than the oddly perverted ones. Meet Rolicoli, the coal Pokemon. Its red eye can illuminate dark areas while it uses the lump of coal attached to its body like a wheel to travel smoothly, even over rough terrain. I'm into this. I'm so excited to see it move, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that the Geodude is a hunk of, uh, of coal, of, uh, of ore. Um, that's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, and the glowing red eye implies sort of an also hellish. I might just make a really goth team. I think that's what I'm going to do. Uh, yeah. Between Corviknight and Rolicoli and just kind of see what brand I can assemble. This thing is um, definitely going to evolve into something great also, right? Like, because cause look at it. I mean, when you look at it, there's an eye, but it's definitely like the left eye, you know? So, like, where's the right I, eye going to come in? I want it to become a train. Like a big train full of coal. Uh, yeah. Um, hell yeah. <laughs> Gigantamax train that takes you to hell. That's right. It's Doom Train. Moving on. Uh, Yamper is a dog. Uh, <laughs> electric. Yeah. Yamper showed up in uh, in the E3 demo um, on the show floor, but I don't think we talked about it because there was a lot to talk about from E3 that wasn't Yamper. Me, yeah. Yamper is... Uh, yeah, Yamper's absolutely a dog. <laughs> uh, meet Yamper, the puppy Pokemon. Yamper is drawn to things that are moving quickly. It can chase people and Pokemon, or even vehicles. Wow. Some All of you may encounter... Yeah. And then it says, some of you may have encountered this Pokemon already. Dot, dot, dot. Yes. I don't know what that means. That's at Electronic 3, 2019. Oh, uh, yeah. On the Nintendo gotcha. show floor. Uh, yes, Yamper. Cute Pokemon. Pretty much just a Corgi with, like, a fun heart on its butt, uh, and its tail is a lightning bolt. Um, now we're gonna get into some like hard data. That's it. That's all you have for Yamper, the most beautiful, lovely creature ever. (laughs) You have five hours of material on Corviknight and nothing for Yamper. Um, his cute tongue sticking out. He just wants to please you, Steven. He just wants you to be happy. 
I know. Honestly, I, I honestly feel so dizzy after close reading Corviknight and Alcremia that Yemper <laughs> is like a really nice just like chaser of like, okay, there's a dog. Good. Okay. Unless, <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> thank unless thank it, God. Uh, unless it evolves into a literal Cirque du Soleil troop of people that are all dressed as one big dog, I can't see this getting nightmarish. Anyway. I'm worried that every Pokemon in Sword and Shield is going to have some kind of Lovecraftian turn by the end. Yeah. Now that yeah, I've I seen so. what Gigantamax El Creamy looks like, yeah, I can't trust any of these fuckers. <laughs> Yamper maybe is also kind of a facade. We'll keep an eye on Yamper, but for now we can trust them. Keep an eye on Yamper. Um, going into the lore of this world. Uh, yeah, this is what got, you wanted to talk about specifically. There was like a thing yeah. that you were like, "This I need to talk about this." I have I have a few screenshots here. Uh, here we go. So many of the Pokemon battle events in the Galar region are managed by a committee led by Chairman Rose. Rose made the Galar Pokemon League world famous by implementing gym battles featuring the Dynamax phenomenon. So uh, we also have, uh, and I quote, there are corporations in the Galar region. I like how formal today's episode is. I've never quoted anything. Yeah, this really show. does feel like a news segment in a way that yeah. we've never experienced on this podcast. I feel weird. I love I it. don't know what's real or not. Okay, good. There are corporations in the Galar region that support the gyms and the champion by offering sponsorships. Oh. You'll find the logos of these corporations on the uniforms of gym leaders as well as in the stadiums of Galar. Oh. Uh, so there are corporations. There is a corporation that literally invented Dynamaxing that has like framed the league around that quote unquote phenomenon. So you're you're inkling that it may be kind of a hologram or a facade i don't think is too far off wow um and then there uh so there are sponsorships and then there are celebrity endorsements leon became champion in his first ever gym challenge he wasn't defeated even once his winning streak is ongoing he goes all out in battle no matter his opponent the battle style has captured the hearts of the gallery's people and he endorses you and your rival in the beginning so there wow. are multiple layers going on. There are the champions, there are the corporations, and then and then the respective sponsorships. So um I feel like the Team Rocket is going to be the corporation that invented Dynamaxing. And I just am on the edge of my seat to know what their scheme is because as we've discussed many times, the villains in these games are bananas. They always have the best, <laughs> like most visibly evil schemes of all time. Do they want to make a world where all giant Pokemon literally Godzilla the city and like just take over the world? I don't know. Or is their scheme already working? Are they just That's trying was, to yes. make money? Yeah. Yeah. Are they just trying to like give the illusion of are they are they focusing on the wrong elements of Pokemon where they are just completely focused on the spectacle and the bigger and better and all this? I also think I'm getting an already the strongest man in the world, a la Pete and Pete vibe from Leon. Is he also a facade? I want the answers. Yeah. Uh, I want twists. I want uh, heartbreak. Uh, I want drama. First of and all, I think we're going to get it. How is that the first adventures of pete and pete reference we've ever made on this podcast that's amazing <laughs> over a year in um today's a day of first this is just fifa this is just fifa <laughs> uh-huh you know what i mean like yeah it is i don't think it's impossible that leon is the enemy that uh who is mm. this person chairman rose is the enemy yeah oh my god chairman rose yeah he's got a really nice suit. 
I'm not saying he looks well. like an evil person. None of these people look evil. I'm just saying no. like the the what you're explaining to me is FIFA. And if <laughs> if Pokemon Sword and Shield is is a series of games that take place in essentially the UK about the corrupt like mega sports league. That would be the wildest shit for Nintendo to pull. And I think I think that's what it is. Like I think all signs are pointing to that. Because you think we would have heard about the villains by now? Yeah, like the this team wants to shut down plumbing, like you know, or whatever their scheme is. <laughs> team Fatberg. Team crap. Um, <laughs> we wanted it to be like Beatles. Like yeah. we wanted to be like uh, the Beatles were the villains. That's that's our game that we'll make one day. Yeah. But. I well now I'm wondering okay so is it possible that like the villains are hiding in plain sight it's every gym leader they're all in on it it's everyone involved in the league it's whoever invented dynamaxing it's a huge corporate conspiracy and our job is going to be to shut all of this down or alternatively do they just want us to revel in in the the glory of pokemon battles in the way that like They've kind of been uh, fantasized since like the very, very opening cinematic of Pokemon Red, Blue, Green, Yellow, where you see the, the Pokemon fighting in the stadium. Like, are they just trying to give us that fantasy finally? Um, or alternatively, is it an indictment of that? And I am excited for kind of either. Like if there's no villain and it is literally just you, like if this is just the story mode of like NBA 2K19, you know, turned into a Pokemon game. Like, fuck yeah, give me that. Uh, that also yeah. sounds great. Like, just give me like a sports underdog drama, but in the Pokemon world, that's literally the oh thing God. that I want. You know what I mean? That could be great. Yeah, that that would be great. But there's a lot of room here for a very like anti corporate take that I would love to see in a Pokemon game. Right like, from the the because you know it's not going to be handled well. Like, it's, right? Yeah. First of all, that. Second be. of all, the Pokemon. <laughs> company or the pokemon ip is the highest grossing ip of anything yeah ever yes exactly i just want to see what like what is this like i'm uh, the more the more info we get the more questions i have and i can't get enough to be quite frank what else do i have here there's also uh this is ac actually back to reality for a second there are two different gym leaders this is the first time that the different versions will actually have different like parts of the game other than like in the past there has been some different end game stuff like in black and white in white version there was a there was a forest that had like rare pokemon and that you would get at the very end and in black version there was a city that would have rare items yeah but other than that and other than like some the different legendaries they've pretty much been the same so i actually kind of like that they are making them a little different so in this case there are two different gym leaders uh in sword uh, Bea is the fighting gym leader, and in Shield, Alistair is the ghost gym leader, and Alistair has a pretty great design. Uh, they're wearing a mask that's like shy guy adjacent. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, you can see the logos I'm, on their outfits, by the way, like the, for their sponsorship their, logos. Their corporate sponsorship, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I wonder if it's gonna be like a sponsor yourself message at the end, where it's like we don't need the corporate ties, people like the battles no matter what yeah um i just feel like dynamaxing is going to be the center of the story in some way yeah <laughs> it is interesting that like i i can't imagine that they're so um 
so unencumbered from reality that they don't see that like the idea of introducing Dynamaxing is already like, well, we needed some way to change up Pokemon battling to make it more exciting. So we're introducing like giant Pokemon. And then yeah. in the same game before that's even out saying, what if we made it even more exciting? And then like tried to yeah. one up themselves before they even saw the response to the first thing. Um, that can't be a mistake, right? Like that can't be completely devoid of like tone or theme or anything, right? I think I think that I think they might be self-aware because even uh, Sun and Moon had a little bit of self-awareness where like Team Skull was kind of like almost a parody of the teams. Yes. Like they were they were kind of like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of the of the game where they were like harmless and then at the end you realize that they like also saw themselves as harmless Mm -hmm. um which is kind of funny yeah it was great they were so good they uh we'll we'll see i i'm honestly very excited for this i feel like i'm now back to reality we got really into that like 60 minute segment um (laughs) has it actually been 60 minutes since we've been talking about this almost this is supposed to be a fun intro and we got like really 44 minutes um what do you think of the different gym leaders though like does that does that affect you at all yeah, I'm not against that, honestly. I, I I'm fine. I think with it's it. cool. Yeah. Um yeah. I almost wish uh who who's in which one? It's Alistair in Shield and Bea in Sword. Yeah, I'm actually kind of interested in the fact that like I would much rather or I'm more interested in what's going on with Alistair just based on that like incredible design. But yeah. Alistair is in Shield, which is not the one that I'm getting. Um Yeah. So I'm I, sure there'll be I, other I'm gym leaders that, that are exclusive. Yeah. For sure. Um, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get more info as the months progress. Yeah. But we're getting there. We're almost there. Uh, kind of, yeah. I mean, it's in November. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I mean, it's four months, but you know, yeah. time flies. Time flies when you're making um, a podcast about video games, Steven. Ugh. Every anyway, uh, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. You know what? You know I know that song literally only because of the Hey Arnold episode where they mm. go to the opera. Yeah, yeah. And Harold is like, "Look at me, Arnold! I'm a big ugly clown." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many Hey Arnold and Pete and Pete. I think are just like in our brains permanently. Yeah, I. It's so funny. I just I spent like so much of yesterday talking about how great Hey Arnold was. <laughs> Uh, I just there's it is the one thing that I find myself quoting like maybe every single day is move it bucko that is good it's the thing that Helga says all the time I love Helga is one of the best like characters in fiction honestly yeah I really love Helga like she because she's like she goes through so much and the show always has her back you know yeah I think it's also really interesting that show is very good at like getting into a bully's psyche right and being like they have like because she never like at a certain point her teasing Arnold is like clearly not out of any malice is the opera episode where they kiss for the first time she like won't stop mm. and her family is just like so hauntingly strange um, yeah I mean that that show is so I I don't know when the last time you watched it was but I, I rewatched all of it um, a couple of years ago and like that show is so sad. Like everyone yeah, really in that show is is living in a place or like living in a in a world that is like not uh not great for them. Pretty much everyone. Like even like the the I forget her name, but that one character who's like extremely well off. Like she is. Oh, Lila. I don't think it's Lila. Um, she wears the the red. She has like the oh, red Ruth. sweater. 
I, th- Ruth, I think it's Ruth. Yeah. Hi, Ruth. Yes. Every time I've, I've had a crush on someone, I think I'm coming off like, hi, Ruth. <laughs> hi, Ruth. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, Helga, like, the show understands that she's not irredeemable. Like, the things that she's doing, like you said, are not coming from a place of malice, which means that, like, she can't be portrayed as a villain, really. Um, even Harold, who was portrayed as a villain for, like, the first season or two, like, gets his redemption later on. Or when, Big when Patty. You saw- or Big Patty, when you start to learn more about them. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is just uh, amazing. That show is so good. I'm also I'm also always worried I come off like the yeah. guy that she punches in the face. Uh-huh. When you were working at the Starbucks and I was like, hey, do you want to have a fire emblem? You're like, Psh. I didn't even wear glasses, but you broke my glasses. Um, <laughs> I put glasses on your face anyway. before I punched you. What a power move to put glasses on someone's <laughs> face and then punch them. <laughs> Okay, sorry, that fucked me up. You're gonna say, Brendan, we're back from the break. You have some, you have something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, see ya. I'll be Hi, back Ruth. later. Hi fun. Ruth. Hi Ruth. Um. <laughs> uh, wow, this is a weird Nintendo news centric episode, isn't it? It is. This Justin, read yeah. all about no, it. No, no Nintendo Direct or anything. Just things that Nintendo announced. Uh, we're talking about. The Nintendo Switch Lite, the revision, the first official revision of the Nintendo Switch home entertainment system and handheld uh, game device. <laughs> what is this? This is like when you call E3 Electronic 3 or just look at me and say gaming and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like whenever I tell people URLs for things, I always say World Wide Web dot <laughs> Google dot com <laughs> dot Google dot biz. Um, Anyway, yeah, this is a thing that's been rumored like forever. Um, I feel like I've been hearing about this for like an entire ass year. Um, and then I woke up one yeah. morning and it was like the first thing that I saw on my Twitter timeline was the Nintendo Switch Lite has been announced. And I was like, I am asleep. This is fake. Yeah, <laughs> and I, yeah, yeah. I I was on the train like an hour later and I opened up Twitter and there were more tweets. about. It. I was like, oh, my God, I guess it's real. Here's the stuff worth noting about the Nintendo Switch Lite. Uh, so first mm-hmm. of all, the Nintendo Switch, named for its incredible ability to switch between a home console on the TV and a handheld console that you can bring with you on the road, uh, you can bust out tabletop mode, break off the Joy-Cons. You could take it camping, you could take it to the zoo, you could take it to a friend's house, dock it there, on the TV there, you could take it to the mall, throw it at the wall, watch it break, you're free. The Nintendo Switch, no more, I say. Smack! It's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Take a load of these touch controls. A hammer to the face. Whack! I'm free. This thing's busted. (laughs) Let me me ask you then. What if, instead of throwing it at the wall or docking it at a friend's house, you could only play it handheld? This is it. The Switch I've been waiting for. Um, (laughs) Less, fewer options. Um, the Joy-Cons do not come off the sides. They are, it is all mm. one device. Um, it pretty much, honestly, if we're being real, looks like a Game Boy Advance uh, that has analog sticks on it, in a way. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the vibe. Um, it comes in three wonderful colors. Uh, it's gray Ooh. with white buttons, yellow with white buttons, and turquoise like with one. white buttons. Um, like the yellow one. Yeah. Uh, and the most important thing, uh, well, I mean, there's, there's a couple other things. doesn't have the HD rumble anymore ow, 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 ow. um there's no there's no infrared which like i don't know what game has ever used the infrared so whatever um but 
I think most importantly is the price, which is that it is only $200 instead of $300. So it is a full $100 cheaper, but with that $100, you are losing the dock and the ability to play on the TV. I think it's a great thing, honestly. I mean, I, I think part of me is a little hesitant to be like, this rules, because I feel like it's Nintendo doing less and they're going to make a lot of money off of it. Yes. But I think that like at the end of the day, it's sort of like a mutually beneficial experience because I think that making it cheaper and not really losing much. And there are a lot of people out there who probably would only want it on the go. Um, yeah. If I didn't have a switch, I would be very enticed by this. Cause I, even when I got my switch, I was like, this is like a hundred dollars more than I ever want to spend. Like yeah. I had to kind of just like take a leap of faith and go for it. Do you find yourself playing the switch currently more handheld than on the TV? Um, I, it depends on the game. Like we've often discussed, I think lately it's been docked almost more because, uh, my joy cons are being weird. Oh yeah. <laughs> the joy con drift issue. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, it's, it's gotten a little better. It's like, it's off and on. Um, but when that's, when everything is working as it should be, it, I, 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 I alternate. I really do. I think initially I was really like blown away by what type of games I could play on handheld. So like mm-hmm. I loved like playing Zelda on handheld and being like, wow, I can't believe this is the experience I'm getting on, on this version of it. Yeah. So I think it's about 50, 50, honestly. Uh, but like, on, I think that there are so many games that I think there are more games that I think are better handhelds than there are that I would say like only play this docked. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Like I feel like most of the time, most of the time for me, games are either like equally good or some are like just i prefer handheld like into the breach or um cuphead i think i prefer handhelds uh any game where you like really have to focus and strategize i i prefer handheld um Mm. some reason so i think this is cool I i think it's a good thing overall yeah, I, so I'm coming from a weird place where I play almost exclusively docked, uh, not because of any kind of like technical issue on the Joy-Cons. Just I just enjoy playing this thing docked. Um, I yeah. I like having the ability to play handheld for um, moments like this weekend when I'm able to like take it up to a friend's house. Like if I'm going on vacation or something, uh, I can bring it with me and continue playing all the things. That's really great. Um, but mm-hmm. most of the time I find myself playing docked. It's just more comfortable to me. Uh, to be playing it on the TV, and there aren't too many games where I've been playing them and said I would much rather play this handheld. Um, with again some notable exceptions, uh, Mario Odyssey, for example, played exclusively handheld for some reason. Don't know why. Uh, Zelda all docked. So, with that in mind, I think the Switch Lite uh, is is rad. I really like it, and I want one. Weirdly, even yeah, though I too. don't play handheld, I won't. I can't justify spending two hundred dollars to get another Switch. That just doesn't make any sense to me. But if I didn't have a switch, I would probably get it, honestly. Yes. And I think that I think it's it's hammering the point that you brought up a while ago on on some earlier episode. Pff, I don't remember which one. Who gives a crap? <laughs> I keep yelling. Uh you said that like f- for the first time in a while or it or ever all Nintendo teams are working on one thing. So yes. like, you have all the handheld teams working on the home console at the same time there's always been like the home console and the handheld. So as the 3DS kind of inches towards the end of its lifeline, who knows if it ever will be done. I feel like they're always going to be making 3DS games. Uh, <laughs> it does feel like, that way. Yes. Uh, until the end of time. Uh, but it just makes sense to, to have a handheld 
system that is also the switch um like exclusively handheld and i think that it are they going to make like the pro one that's like kind of the upgraded like sort of the opposite is that like on the horizon yeah so that's that's the other rumor um the yeah. other rumor is that the the switch pro or whatever it is has been in production or like is in production already um which a lot of people thought meant that it was going to be coming at the end of this year also the way I see it, like the Switch Lite is so clearly like the thing that you buy when you buy Pokemon at the end of the year. Yeah, um, I was it, about is, to say, it like, is like the entry level, yeah. like obvious option for people who don't have a Switch yet, but want one uh, are used to playing Pokemon games handheld. So like that's the holiday buy, right, is, is the Switch Lite. Um, I can't see them announce even announcing the Switch Pro until way after that, like March next year. I could see them yeah, saying like, like here's the, the thing too. it'll come out yeah, yeah or something I don't even know like maybe when Metroid comes out or something it's like yeah. here, here's the fucking Metroid game all the hardcore gamers want with the Switch Pro you know um, I could see that a- another alternative thing that I've been thinking is like I'm I could see them just doing away with the Switch as it stands now and saying okay this Switch gone here's the new Switch like they're not going to call yeah. like maybe the, maybe they call it the new Nintendo 3DS like they did last time maybe they call it the new Nintendo Switch um, but I could see them just being like this what you knew as the Switch is gone here's the pro version we just like made it better in pretty much every single way and it's just called the Switch and it still costs the same I could see that so like just keeping the, the family of consoles low key you know just the two things you want the light or do you want the pro or do you want the, or do you want the switch? Um, alternatively though, the idea that the light is now this handheld only thing, I think to me, and I don't, I don't know what Nintendo's thinking, but to me, this indicates that we all outside of Nintendo, were thinking about the switch name incorrectly. It was never like this one device can do everything. I mean, it was that like, but, but they weren't, I don't think they were thinking about it from that perspective i don't think they were thinking about it from like yeah the nintendo switch means that this one device can become anything i think they see the switch as a family of things that allows for every kind of play and like this the switch as we have it right now is like the most obvious first thing to release in that family now here's the lower cost handheld only version for all the people who loved the 2ds and the ds Lite. um and eventually I could maybe see if they're going to go handheld only with one, I could see them going docked only like home console only version of this. Um, maybe, I don't know. That makes sense. Like is, is switch just an, an idea more than it is like one device. Um, (laughs) I know that sounds like heady and weird, but like, it seems like that might be the direction they're heading in. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I know what you're going for there. I, I feel like what's more likely based on nothing, but I think what's more likely based on what they're going for now is like an upgraded version of the switch as it is now, plus the handheld only cheaper version. Yeah. Um, that just makes more sense. Cause I that's think that, what like, makes the most sense to me also. Let me just yeah. be clear, but it, this is Nintendo we're talking about. So anything's possible. That's true. <laughs> they might be like, this one just runs out of battery faster. It's called the switch. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> My best joke yet. I do want to mention real quick because like they announced the Switch Lite and a lot of people were like, who would want this? It's it's cheaper plastic. It looks like shit. It doesn't I have Joy-Cons. You can't attach it to the TV like a ton of people are going to want this is they've done this so many times and it always works for them. They did this with the 2DS family. I don't understand. I don't understand being angry at it existing at all. I know we often come into this with like you and I are obviously not at all engaged in like 
toxic Twitter behavior. Uh-huh. <laughs> but like, uh, it's just baffling to me. Like, if they were saying today we are seizing production of the Switch as you know it, and we're only making right uh, Switch Lite, then I can maybe see like being like, hey, I don't want this. Yeah. But the fact that there's something that exists that you don't want that you don't have to get, I do not understand <laughs> getting mad at. Right. At all. Yeah. Uh, I I think that there's a really fine line between like consumer rights and like calling out companies when they're abusing that and right. being like angry at anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think for whatever reason with video games, like it's just so commonplace to just see people like uh, just just like rip apart something before it even comes out at the idea of like who wants this or like I don't want this. I need something for me. And it's like not everything is for you. We yeah. talk about that a lot with Let's Go Pikachu. Uh, right. That's the perfect example where it's like I think with with Let's Go Pikachu, I think it was clear that it was it was going to coexist with what the new Pokemon game was going to be so that they were keeping in mind that people wanted people will eventually want the more core experience or like the next step of that. But it was sort of like a fun experiment in the meantime that, as you and I have discussed, may may still hit stronger with with people that that want that if that makes any sense yeah um totally um, i think you can have you can have things that you don't want that coexist peacefully yeah uh, as sort of my thesis there yeah i i think uh j- just to like apples to apples this like there's no more direct comparison than the nintendo ds to the nintendo ds Lite, which like removed the ability i think if i'm not mistaken remove the ability to play uh Game Boy Advance game, so it removed backwards compatibility. Uh, there are a bunch of other things that happened with the DS Lite that changed, uh, that that like they removed a couple features here and there from the main DS system. Uh, and the DS Lite went on to sell, I think, if I'm not mistaken, about three times as many units as the regular DS did. Yeah. Um, it was just a it was just a cheaper, better option for most people uh, who didn't need all of the other stuff that was going on there. Yeah, I, I think just having that option is great. And I think just lowering the point of entry to getting a system is, is very important. It's it rules. Um, I'm excited for more people to be able to get the switch. So there, there are some interesting things that kind of, um, Oh, I didn't even mention, like I, I am extremely interested in picking one of these up. The, the main thing that I think could get me to buy this as a second switch potentially would be, some kind of like cross device account and like cloud save thing. Like if I look, this is all about animal crossing to me. If I can transfer my town (laughs) back and forth from device to device, like I'm going to do that because the idea of taking my switch with me and just like, they show it in the video in the switch light video. There's a point where, uh, the dude in the video just takes his switch light and he throws it in his backpack. The idea of doing that with my regular switch is terrifying to me in a way that I don't think it would be terrifying to me if it was a switch light. Like it, the smaller kind of more like sturdy form factor of not being able to like uh, slide the joy cons off and stuff, I think does make for a pretty compelling like travel companion in a way that the switch currently doesn't where I have to bring it in a case and it's bulky and it feels like I'm holding an iPad pro. uh, Yeah. Like like playing on the train, train, playing on the train. I need to either be on a pretty isolated train, which is almost never. Yes. Otherwise it it feels like I'm pulling out a keyboard. (laughs) Yes. Like and just sort of, you know, like it's it's just big enough that it's inconvenient for most public transportation. Right. That being said, if I'm like on it's like great for like it's like perfect for the airport, but it's not perfect for a train. 
What a snobby thing I just said. <laughs> of all the transportation, it is perfect for, I don't know, perhaps a private caboose, but not quite a, a commoner's train. <laughs> um, but that's, that is a thing that you and I have talked about a lot on this show, is like the, the one downside of the Switch is that it's supposed to be portable and doesn't feel that way. Yeah. You know, the ability to switch between handheld and docked mode means that I play it on my TV and then sometimes I play it in my bed, but I never bring it outside of my house unless yeah. I'm traveling. Yeah. I totally get that. So we'll see. I, I can't. I Yeah. I, I think that they're the cross saves. I really hope I can see Nintendo so easily not doing that. And it breaks my heart. Because yeah. So like, they usually miss things like that. Where this sense. comes from is Doug Bowser gave a statement that was like, we'll have some stuff to share about like linked accounts in the future. Like it was it was vague, but like kind of on the nose enough that it hinted like we are kind of angling this also as a secondary switch system for people. So like if they can facilitate that in some way, that's not just like when I switched from the regular 3DS to the new 3DS and I had to like sit there with like a link cable and move all my shit over from one to the other. Like if it's something beyond that and it lets me switch it back and forth via the Internet, um, that would be amazing and that would get me to buy a thing and like Nintendo as we've talked about on the show a lot is so good at leaving money on the table like all I want to do is give Nintendo money and they constantly say no to me yeah I really hope that they do this because um, I yeah. think that a Switch Lite would actually make me play those games more uh, during my free time when I'm not just listening to music and staring out a window on the train like I'm the protagonist in a movie during the like beginning of the third act yeah, especially with it being summer. I even mentioned this on the Sekiro stream we did. Like, I want to be outside more, so it's, like, harder for me to want to sit in my living room and be, like, yeah. committing to that. Right. Uh, so, Switch Lite, on the go. Maybe I'll buy it. Give me better designs. I'll think about it, okay? Yeah, wait, you saw the Pokemon Sword and Shield one, right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. I want to... Uh, I feel like our brand would be like a Hollow Knight or Celeste Switch Lite. I would absolutely buy either of those, I think. Uh, I just want the Animal Crossing one, whatever it shows up as. Mm, yeah, that's a good idea. This is coming from a person who imported Japanese faceplates for my Nintendo, my new Nintendo 3DS, uh, so I could have an Animal Crossing 3DS. Um, that rules. Anyway. All right, well. That's, that's the Switch it. Lite. It's coming, uh, I think they said in September. Oh, wow. Yeah, just in time for all the, uh, well, so that will be with the links September Link's Awakening is coming out, and mm -hmm. then in the fall is Pokemon. Yeah, it's Luigi's Mansion in October, and then Pokemon in November. What are the, what are the other big things coming out for Switch? I Those think are the big the, first. I think that's things. the holiday lineup. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's going to be big. Yeah. Fire Emblem comes out next week. You're talking about that off the show. Yeah, next. Um, I think six days from now, so we will have literally one day to play it before we come back and talk about this. I have committed it. to the house I'm joining, though. Knowing nothing but the name, <laughs> uh -huh. uh, I, I'm going to be the Holy Kingdom of Fargus, because, like, I just can't say no to that amazing title. Yeah, it's just it sounds like It sounds like something the other kingdoms would call that kingdom as a joke. Like, well, 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 if it isn't Fargus. And he's like, it's Ferragus! Or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I want to be the lame house, so... Uh, that's what I'm going to do. Um, should we move on? Let's move on. I've had enough of this. I am done. Goodbye. With this segment. Goodbye. Steven, we're in the break. I want to tell you about how I spent my day yesterday. Yeah, please. I woke up wondering. very early. <laughs> uh, I, woke, <laughs> I don't know why that was so good. I woke up very early. 
uh, and drove with a friend of mine to the uh, house of a mutual friend of ours. And for about two hours, we set up and then for the next 10 to 12 hours, played a board game called Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. Now, wow. let me tell you something about me. Yeah, I don't, I don't play board games. I'm not really uh-huh. a board game person. Not that I'm like incapable of it, um, but like I just... I just have never like had the time or the energy or like really wanted to do that. Yeah. It's a specific mood. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's it, like not to knock any, anyone who plays board games. I just like don't have that experience. So I didn't really know like what kind of thing I would want. This is not to say that like, Hey, we're going to talk about board games all the time. Cause like, I don't plan on playing board games a lot. Um, yeah. but in this case, it was just like such a wild experience, um, that I feel the need to talk about it on this show. Where like Please. for about twelve hours, I and uh, four other people sat around a table, played this game that was like essentially, um, what's the best way to describe it? It's it's uh, everybody owns. It's almost like Risk in a way with like a whole galaxy, um, and you're all trying to make your way to the center of the galaxy where there's like a little like pretty much space UN, and then once somebody makes it there, and it took in our case like four hours for somebody to make it to the center of the galaxy. Um, it literally starts a phase where like everybody's voting on things like voting on like laws and regulations in this galaxy. Uh, <laughs> and then you're like moving all your ships and turns and space combat and fucking whatever trading with people like doing all this stuff. Um, it's like pretty much every rule from every board game got put into this one <laughs> in a way. It was like it was unreal. Yeah. I, apparently this game is like legendary to people who like board games. And I just yeah, knew sure. like. How I just thought to myself, like, how funny would it be to go from the person that doesn't play board games to like throwing myself as one. far into the deep end as humanly possible? Yeah. Um, and having come out the other end, first of all, had a great time. It ruled. It was so fun. I mean, I did immediately need to go out and like drink <laughs> to like handle everything that had happened. Um, like we all just we all yeah. just went to a bar down the street. We were like, we just need to like decompress. We didn't even talk to each other. We were like, we're just gonna like be here. Um. <laughs> But like it uh-huh. was, it was such a cool, interesting time because. <laughs> Sorry, that just hit me. This break in silence. That's very um, good. We, the thing that I will say about Twilight Imperium, and the reason I want to talk about it on this show is like it is the first time I've ever played a board game where I had the moment that you and I have all the time playing video games, where like sometimes the room would be completely silent and out loud. I would just say, this is so fucking cool. Like this game is rad. Um, We both do that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like I had that moment so many times. And the first moment that it happened was I was like sitting there. It was, it was somebody else's turn. um, And I was like terrified that they were going to move a fucking like death star or whatever into my galaxy. Uh, And I was, I turned to the person next to me and I typed on my phone. If he moves the death star here, can we both kill him? And they just like gave me a little nod and I was like, oh my God, that's what this game is. It's like they put every mechanic and every rule and every piece of plastic and cardboard and like piece of paper into this game. But at the end of the day, it's about texting the person sitting across from you and making a weird deal with them. Or it's about like, (laughs) it's about like that one time four hours ago when somebody didn't help me out. Or like did something that was just a little weird and like gave some clue into their like long term goal that they were planning on accomplishing. Um, and that I think and 
please forgive me people who play board games who are listening to this but like that i think is what was so interesting about like playing this for so long and like that is what was so interesting about this game mechanically was like it did as much as it possibly could on the table to get you to forget about what's on the table like it didn't even matter what was happening there because at the end of the day it was about like the relationships you were building and destroying simultaneously (laughs) um which ruled it was so interesting um and I just had a really great time with it. Um, it is an extremely expensive game, and I can't recommend it to everyone because, again, it took us, like, about 12 hours to play a full yeah, game. That's um, a commitment. It was a commitment. Um, yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, it was a really cool experience, and I liked it a lot. So, yeah, I just I just wanted to bring it up because it is a game, not a video game, but it is a game. Uh, no, it's I, cool. I liked it. It's, it's cool to see uh, the experience you have with that in contrast to everything we, dis- we discuss I think I've talked to you about this off the show, but it's also interesting to me, the Venn diagram of video games that kind of like teeter on board game territory. Yes. Um, totally. I think Slay the Spire is kind of that, or it's like weird deck builder, D and D adjacent kind of experience, but it's very much a video game. Obviously uh, my, my friends, Zoe and Brendan, hello, if you're listening, who are big board game people. And I've, I've learned a little bit about that world through them. From what I've heard from them and from other friends who are very into board games, the the eternal struggle is to find a group of four to come over because most board games are like built for four to five people. But it's somewhat like it's easy to have three people. It's easy to have over six people to come over. But having just like four people who are all in the same mood of like, tell me everything about the economy of Germany in 1820 and what I have to do with this piece of plastic. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's so many board games are like, hello, you are a German business person who needs to buy the perfect jewel, but how many jewels are perfect? None. They whispered. And that's the game. Yeah. Um, at least that's the dream I had about board games, but, uh, yeah, that's cool, man. I, I wish I knew more to have more of a hot take. I'm, I'm reaching in my weird traveler sack of board game knowledge and there's nothing. Yeah, no, I'm, that's the thing is I have nothing to compare this against. Like, I don't have any real knowledge outside of this. There, there is a game that I love called Cosmic Encounter, which I thought of when you said it was in space. That's the only real comparison. (laughs) Cosmic Encounter is great. That's a game that seems super complicated, but it's actually very simple. And the artwork for that game and the aliens you can play as are amazing. No one is cool. I'll just say that much. Mm -hmm. Holy Kingdom of Fargus level no one is cool yeah and i love that there's literally an alien called the loser that's like a weird cat frog and its power is that if you lose you win stuff like that great i'm so into um, um yeah you would you would love the different races you can play as in twilight imperium oh, sure. fourth edition which is i, I, don't I have like, to say the name every time but there's like there's mercantile lions there's like a there's a race of just plant people um i was playing as a race uh because we, we like kind of randomly divided up who was playing mm-hmm. as who um, I was playing as a race that wasn't actually a race, but it was like the prison planet that everybody sent like their prisoners to. And we all revolted and then just formed like a nice government and our planet is nice. Um, but That's like awesome. every once in a while we can steal shit and like be pirates. Um, it was great. And I just had like a bunch yeah. of abilities that allowed me like weirdly role play by accident <laughs> as pirates. That's, and I was about to say what I like when you said like, oh, what's happening on the table is like independent of the the texts that are being sent in secret. And that was kind of the experience that you enjoyed. Yeah. Any room for like theatrics or like getting into it in that way, I'm like so on board with, which yeah. is probably not surprising. Yeah. But um, 
I mean, that's why I've enjoyed playing D&D in the past, because it's, like, all that. Like, it's way more theatrical. At least the groups right. I played with, it's way more theatrical than it is, like, rules-based. Yeah. Um, so, and I think that's that's the hurdle. There's that, there's that famous Onion article that's, like, a uh, person assures group board game will be fun, like, minute 30 of explaining the rules. Yeah. <laughs> like, people are, like, leaving the table, and they're like, no, 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 it's going to be fun once we get start getting going. Yeah, um, don't get me wrong. It did take two hours to set the board up, and during those two hours, we also watched a thirty-minute how to play the game video on YouTube that was like just brutal. Um, yeah, but like once uh, you got into it, it's great. And like to be fair, the people who do know board games and play a lot of board games that were at the table with us, by the time it ended, they were like, "That's the best board game I've ever played in my whole life." Um, yeah, they were just like, "It is the best board game." Um, so. And that's that's, cool. that's what I like about board games is like it's a very at least for me like I play them on a more regular basis where like it can be a really nice experience that you like hold with you yeah where you know I, th- I think that that's uh, that that magical moment where everyone is in the same headspace to commit to that like length of an experience mm-hmm. is is kind of interesting yeah that's cool I'm glad you shared that with me uh, you want to move on yeah let's move on. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye, Twilight Imperium 4th Edition TM. Brendan, everyone's talking about Dr. Mario World on the phones. <laughs> Did you play it? Nope. Wow, you didn't even download See, it. No, I didn't. Free dollars and zero cents, Steven. You can check it out for yourself. Maybe I'll maybe I'll check it out. I, I didn't know about it until you messaged me about it. Yeah. Which is probably, so you have you have a thesis on this uh that I want you to begin this segment with, and then we'll we'll go into that. <laughs> Um, yeah, kind of, I guess. So like Dr. Mario world came out, it has a bunch of microtransactions and a bunch of energy timers and is like, it's funny that our whole last episode, not our whole last episode, but a big chunk of our last episode was talking about the idea of good and bad in video games and like how you can use those words to describe things in media regardless. Yeah. There are a lot of things in in Dr. Mario world that I would describe as bad, (laughs) like just (laughs) they're bad and they are the energy timers and they're the the predatory microtransactions um and and uh the inability to play the game uh if you're not connected to the internet and things like that that make me not want to play it and because of that i have already deleted it off my phone i should i want to oh, well. i want to start by saying that is that there this are a game lo- made me sick yeah no amount of medicine doctor could fix this ache that's the review. That's I'm great. sure someone already did that. I'm sure. It's ironic that this game is about Dr. Mario because this game makes me sick. <laughs> um, the thing about this game is like there is fun to be had in there, but Nintendo does everything they possibly can to prevent you from finding it. Um, and like that's a huge bummer because like I would love nothing more than to be able to play this game on the subway all the time um, and just like work my way through like a Candy Crush style game made by Nintendo. Like that's a cool idea to me. Um, Cause like there's so many people that play Candy Crush and, and two dots and games like that, that have the like almost Candyland esque uh, board that you like work your way up ad infinitum, uh, you know, until forever just playing new levels over and over again. I love that idea, but I never really liked the, like um, the in-app purchase and energy timer side of that. Um, so I was kind of hoping for better from from Dr. Mario World, and I ended up not getting that, which is a bummer. So I deleted it. And then I started seeing a whole bunch of reviews come out, and the reviews were like, this game is terrible. It's very, It has all the things that I didn't like personally. But then a lot of the reviews had some kind of tone or some kind of like excerpt that were like, but what can you expect from a mobile game? Like, that's just what mobile gaming is, is that. And like, if you're downloading a game on your phone, 
then that's what you're getting out of it. And that's when I start to push back. That's when I'm like, that, that's now that of, makes me sick. Now that makes me sick. Blech. That line of reasoning and thought, I think, is is a bummer and is like just I think so too. wrong. I think it's just like yeah. incorrect. Because as we, you and I have talked about a lot of great mobile games on this show that don't have any of that. Like that's not necessary to be yeah. a mobile game. You know, like that is about, not, yeah. they're not synonyms. It's not like every, every square is a rectangle situation, you know? I mean, I feel like mobile games are kind of in the position video games were like in 1990, where a lot of people probably were like, well, what do you expect? It's a video game, you know? Cause like up until Nintendo, most games were like really bad arcade games that wanted you to spend a lot of quarters yeah like they were hard was, on purpose just to get you to spend more money yeah, yeah and like that's what a lot of games were and like there were a few outliers that were trying to do something either mechanically interesting there were some that were even trying to tell a story which yeah. was like not commonplace until i would say like mid to late 90s um yeah. with stuff like final fantasy and and all that but i feel like mobile games are that now as like a sub subsection where so many of them are kind of predatory and, and, uh, you know, there's, there's less, I guess, uh, it's like a bit more, you know, when you, we have all these systems, you have like Nintendo's only going to have certain games on the switch, right? Yeah. Actually, there is a lot of whack shit on the switch. Yeah, there is. We, like, you can, if you just go to the marketplace and you go like, what's new, it's like horrific. There's some really strange stuff going on, but, Absolutely. um, I digress. Like, I think mobile games have more of that where there's kind of this like no man's land of, of like content, I guess. Yeah. But as you and I, as you just said, and as you and I have discussed that there are a lot of great things that are happening exclusively on mobile and you shouldn't use the term mobile game as like a detractor. Um, yeah. You can be critical of mo- of like what is commonplace in mobile games without saying that mobile games as a whole are a certain quality i think right and then there's like not too short of a leap to the the other thing that people say about mobile games which is like people who play mobile games aren't real gamers which like is the most sickening dumb I fucking mean, I, phrase steven just fell full, apart <laughs> like i just I, watched steven's mind rupture i hate i hate the term gamer ironically yeah uh never mind <laughs> someone sincerely saying that yeah yeah i mean We've talked about Florence. We've talked about uh, Alto's Odyssey. Um, there's a lot of games that are that are like Oxenfree. I feel like is a game that might even be better on mobile mm-hmm. based on you know that's on everything. But yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff, and I think there's a lot of stuff you can do that like it, it, Florence is a game that takes advantage of it being on a mobile device. Yes, um, I think if you had Florence on the Switch, it would probably be it would still be a beautiful game, but I think it wouldn't have the same effect. Right. Um, now, given like, would you be harder pressed? Would you be harder pressed to name like a bunch of mobile games that kind of break the mold? Probably. But I think that there's so much exciting new stuff. And I think by nature of it being new, that's kind of why. I think that's why, like, um, I think it all boils down to what do the developers see the product as. There are a lot of developers who are producing stuff exclusively for mobile that are treating their games as if they were any other kind of work of art. Yeah. Um, then then Nintendo probably didn't think twice about Dr. Mario World for the mobile. They just released it. Like, this will probably make some money on the side. I think so. I mean, so just like a quick history of Nintendo on mobile where like it started with everyone just saying, why aren't you just releasing all of your games on mobile? 
like all of your your backlog like why is pokemon blue not just available on the ios app store things like that yeah um, it started with uh not tomodachi life what was it called mitomo started with mitomo i, I loved mitomo the only good social network ever i had <laughs> i just remember i'm sorry my roommate's me's voice was so good and i i put something i posted something kind of like uh jokingly ribbing on his thing and then his me responded back to me maybe you should hustle as hard as you hate I'm like i'll never forget <laughs> that i'll never forget his me telling me that and just like unreal but there was me telling there was really nothing to do after a while other than say things like that to each other yeah pretty much um, um if they had like me sports in me tomo that you could play with your friends because the only game was me drop where you take one of your friends and drop them in a pinball machine. Yeah. Which, yes, I've had that dream, but this wasn't very fun. Yeah. I, but the idea was there. Yeah. It was, it was an interesting idea. And as like the way it was positioned when it was launched was like, this is going to be the hub for all of the other Nintendo stuff that happens on mobile. Like this is going to be like where you come back to, if you play other Nintendo mobile games, you'll <laughs> unlock new stuff in Mitomo and vice versa, which was like a cool idea. Um, and then from there came Super Mario Run, which was like the first like really official like Nintendo ass Nintendo game coming out on mobile, mm-hmm. made for mobile. Shigeru Miyamoto was like the lead designer on it, um, and it was a full fledged Mario game where like it's an endless runner, yeah, but there's one button and that button is jump, and like Miyamoto thought really long and hard about how to make that work as like a one handed mobile experience, um, and created a whole game with like. A bunch of wild shit that you can do where, where there's like once you beat the game it unlocks like a harder version of the game that you can play through the way that game was priced was you could go through the first world of the eight as like classic mario games you go through the first world and then at the end of it it says you can either pay ten dollars or like that's it like that's the game for you so you pay ten dollars up front and then you unlock the rest of the game and when that happened people like fucking revolted they were like $10 for a mobile game? How dare you? How dare you charge me $10 for a whole Mario game? So people didn't buy it, and then it failed. And then what came next was Fire Emblem Heroes, which is like a gachapon, like, character collection, like, kind of stripped-down version of Fire Emblem, which has wonderful mechanics. Like, that game is fun to play. It is just Fire Emblem on your phone, um, but does have all of the, like, pretty much every microtransaction trapping that is available under the sun. Like that is all in Fire Emblem Heroes. <laughs> yeah, I never played. And it, it it is it is predatory in the way that you and I talk about all the time in terms of the pricing structure. But beneath all of that is an actually fun game to play. And that game has been extremely successful for Nintendo. So their next game was Dragalia Lost, which you and I talked about on this show when it came out, which is like a full new IP by Nintendo and I think Psy Games that is like a kind of JRPG hack and slash version of Fire Emblem Heroes uh, with, you know, entirely new characters where you're unlocking dragons in like a gachapon mechanic. And that has also been successful. So it doesn't really surprise me then that the next game, like they're going down this rabbit hole, right? Like Super Mario Run didn't work out for them financially. So now they're leaning into like the worst trappings of what is happening yeah. in like the mobile game economy um, because that's what's making the money. And like, that's what they need to do to make money you can't always have a situation like fire emblem heroes where like there is a great game beneath all of it. Um, and I was hoping for that from, from Dr. Mario world, but that's not what's there. Anyway, all that having been said, like 
that's been the history of the Nintendo on mobile. So it's not like too surprising that's what's happening there. But like you said, there are so many people treating mobile as like the first priority. Like they are making things just for phones and it really works out. Um, I, there's no better example of this to me or two great examples. Actually, one of them is Reigns, which is the Devolver Digital uh, published game uh, that is like pretty much Tinder for monarchy where you are a king or a queen and you have to swipe left and right as people continue to ask you for things and you have to manage all your resources in your kingdom just by swiping left and right. It's like the easiest mechanic. Everybody knows it from every dating app they've ever used. It's it's wonderful. Um, and another game called Downwell, which was by um, an indie developer in Japan, um, which is pretty much like a Spelunky-esque game where you're falling down a big pit and you're just like jumping off of enemies as you go down further and further down into this hole. And you can also shoot bullets out of your boots so you can shoot downwards to kind of slow your descent a little bit, um, which is like such a Nintendo game. Like it feels like a Nintendo game when you're playing it. Um, so much so the developer got picked up by Nintendo. They were like, hey, you should come work here because this is great. Yeah, I think Downwell is also on Switch for like two bucks. It is. Two or three dollars. It's great. Yeah. And you have to hold your Switch vertically, which is hilarious to play it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's I mean, there are really wonderful experiences happening on mobile, but they generally cost an upfront charge, right? It'll be like two dollars or five dollars. Yeah. But like for some reason, people are OK with spending like. I don't know, however much on any game for any other system, they don't treat their phones with the same weight. Like, it's weird to me that that difference yeah. in economy between like I'm buying a game for my switch, and I'm buying a game for my phone, because in a lot of instances like Oxenfree, like they're the same experience, sometimes made even better by being on mobile. Yeah, I, th- I think that would just take time because I think that like uh, most people's experience with mobile games is sort of like in the realm of Candy Crush or in the realm of like, yes a certain experience and i think because it's also a newer frontier you have you have parties like nintendo not quite sure what to do because i feel like that's like the one area where nintendo is like almost playing catch up in a weird way i think that is why they're falling into these tactics that quote unquote work which is unfortunate because nintendo usually is doing the opposite with their actual right we're not there i go unconsciously i said their actual library you know yeah but it's also like Nintendo on mobile is different than like a mobile developer. You know, mm-hmm. I think they're they they themselves in that particular situation are obviously paying more attention to what is on Switch than what is on mobile. Yeah. But it is ironic too because I mean that pressure existed because Nintendo has always been like the unrivaled producer of handheld games. Yeah. Um, exactly. That's so, the weirdest thing. Yeah. It's like they were yeah, the masters kind of, of this forever. You know, they they just missed the boat and are having a hard time catching up um i think mainly because the economy of what people will pay for on the phone is different but that said like i am a person who is is a large proponent of mobile games um i i have a lot of them uh i play a lot of them i am constantly seeking out new ones and enjoying them i play the best of them and i also play the worst of them i think like i i play a lot of like clicker games like idle games that just like happen in the background while you're not doing anything um, which is the thing I've mean, I've been meaning to talk about on the show for a long time. And I think I'll dive deeper into one day, but like, that's arguably like the worst kind of game, <laughs> but I love <laughs> playing them. I think I have a great time with them. And on the flip side, I play things like Oxenfree. I just replayed Fez, um, on mobile recently. I still have to play Fez. I haven't played Fez. It's wonderful. It's, it's so good. Yeah. I feel like I betrayed you by not playing Fez. It's okay. I don't, I'm not taking it personally. Okay. I promise. Steven. Right. Ah. Um, <laughs> but like also there are some developers who like focus almost primarily on mobile i think everybody points to zach gage 
um, who's like a pretty prolific mobile developer who did um, Spell Tower and Type Shift and Sage Solitaire and really bad chess and a bunch of other games. Ridiculous Fishing. He also worked on like there are some people who just make mobile games um, and really say like, okay, this is what the phone looks like. How do I make a game that like is optimized for this and for yeah. every form of input on this thing? Yeah, and Snow Snowman who make Alto's Adventure and Odyssey and are gonna make Skate City. That's another good example. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, actually, you mentioned to me that you had downloaded Pocket City on your phone recently, oh, yeah. um, which is a game that I played a lot last summer, which is basically just Sim City but on your phone, but like optimized so well to be played on a phone in a way that like I feel like if an actual SimCity game ever showed up on mobile like it would not play as well as this game because they thought yeah. about how do you make this work in like an on-the-go setting or in an on-the-go yeah, I, way I, and it's great the only reason we haven't really talked about Pocket City is it's one of those it's just fun and we have no hot take on it really yeah it's, it's just, just a like, great game like that's it's it it's a fun game yeah uh, it's if you want like a SimCity type thing that you can kind of just check in on whenever um, you build buildings by just like selecting and then swiping around uh, it's pretty easy and it also like the rate of progression and the rate of of like being able to build new things and being rewarded for that is pretty constant yeah um it's like constantly giving you different objectives and and uh, it's another one of those things where you'll probably meet objectives just by playing so you don't really have to be too yeah. aware of that but yeah all that to say i think it will be interesting to see the future of mobile and kind of the common perception of it changing as more and more I think I think Florence is probably one of the first games in a while to kind of break out in that way and be like, this is like something you probably have never experienced on your phone, myself included. That was like a pretty transformative experience to be like, oh, OK, this is what a mobile game could actually accomplish. Yeah. So I definitely want to see more of that. And I think uh, hopefully, hopefully things will move in that direction. Um, if you want another great game that I would put in the realm of Florence. Uh, check out the game Photographs. It's, okay. it's uh, by the developers of a bunch of puzzle games um, called You Must Build a Boat, and I think the other one was called Ten Million. But it is a puzzle game with like a pretty interesting story element that takes place in between the puzzles. Um, that I like that you a might lot. like. Yeah, it's really it's really pretty uh, and cool, and I think you'd like it a lot. Um, I also just want to mention cool. like I do like I think last year I had a mobile game in my like collection of potential top tens for the year and like this year I also have a mobile game in my like potential goatee list called Jump Grid. It's another one that I haven't talked about on the podcast because it's just so good. Like I just like, yeah. Don't... What was uh what was in your top ten last year? Florence is in both of ours, and you also had uh it was the Twin Inception twinfold i know yeah. the inception bomb noise is, was the qualifier yeah but yeah twinfold um like both of those games are just awesome um and this one that i've been playing this year uh jump grid is like just equally like um for people who play a lot of mobile games that have been like playing them for a long time it is the first time since super hexagon that i've been like really into like a really frenetic like arcadey game on my phone um so i'll just leave it at that but anyway uh, all that is to say that mobile games are good and you should play them. Uh, maybe we could talk more in depth about like specific mobile games that we play at some point. Cause like I said, yeah. I play a lot of them all the time. Um, and I'm constantly seeking out new ones. Um, so we could do yeah, that. I'm maybe very, I'm episode. very new into the world, but you've definitely helped guide me into the world of that. Yeah. That's the thing. It's weird. I, I didn't stop you when you said that, like, it's a new development for things to be as good as Florence, but like, 
it is weird to say that like almost 10 years after the app store was released like it really is just now that like really really to me personally really great stuff is starting to show up Um, yeah i think florence is a precursor to maybe something bigger and better uh which we'll see in like two to three years when people who were inspired by that game put out the games that they're making, you know? Yeah. And you you think about 10 years ago too, just with what cell phones were like, that was the first iPhone I think was 10 years ago. So like, not, not that, not that a lot of mobile games require that level of processing, but like just the association of what a phone can do. Yeah. You know, I mean, I got a smartphone pretty late in the game and that was, I was still like, used to pulling out an antenna and like sending a letter to the government to like make a phone call <laughs> right um so yeah but very cool i i love your i love your passion for these games and i want to learn more baby hey okay well let's uh, wrap up let's put a bookmark in that then for the future we'll we'll talk about mobile games again and yeah talk about specific ones maybe i'll give you a list of things to check out give me a list cool um well then all that having been said uh thanks everybody who listened to the show thanks for people who listen every week uh if you want to share the show that is the best way to help it grow um beyond that we have a discord that you can join which we mentioned earlier uh you can go to bit.ly slash twg discord to check that out and join the community um it's just a wonderful place uh filled with friends uh, we have a Twitch account, twitch.tv slash into the cast. We've been streaming a lot more recently. Steven just did a Sekiro stream yesterday as of recording. In my free time before bed, I've been uh, doing streams of Judgment, which has been really, really fun. They've been fun, yeah. As I I've like been... how you play before you go to sleep and I play in the morning. Yeah. It's kind of a nice it's, duality. It's good. Uh, one day we'll have a third co-host who will play in the afternoons. It's me, Afternoon David. Afternoon. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, sorry. We and, killed Afternoon David oh, upon wow. meeting him. Yeah, he's Shit. dead. Oh, All right, keep going. Judgment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Afternoon David has been judged. And we have a Twitter account also that's at Into the Cast, <laughs> uh, which you can follow for uh, announcements of streams, episodes, updates on things. Um, big shout out to AJ Flari, our producer. You can find his website in our show notes as well. Um, and oh, also potentially I, I unsure, but I think we're going to have to take next week off, uh, because, yeah. uh, San Diego comic-con is happening. And because of the nature of my job, I will be working literally all day, Saturday and Sunday through that. So I will probably not be able to record, unfortunately. So I guess in that case, hold off for one more week and then we'll come back with our 24 hours of fire emblem episode probably yeah yeah i think it comes out it comes out this saturday before we're recording yeah so we'll both be like how'd you like that opening cutscene and learning how to f- play the game yeah <laughs> what'd you think about selecting um, the uh voice options <laughs> what'd you think about turning subtitles yeah. off yeah i feel like knowing me i'm gonna spend way too long just making the protagonist and be like what's their vibe yeah what's their name what's their backstory um very excited so yeah wait a week we'll be back and thanks i i always echo everything brendan says uh thank you for listening and this is i felt especially chaotic evil this episode so thank you for dealing with my uh my antics my my i laughed at my own joke three times is what i'm trying to say so thank you they were funny jokes I also laughed at your joke. You know what? Thank you. You're the sun to my moon. Uh, good night. Yeah. Wait, I do want to uh, mention one more thing before we go. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, it's fine. Um, this, this was also an episode where we didn't talk about any games that we were playing, and I'm just wondering, if you're listening all the way to the end of this, what you thought about that. 
just out of curiosity. Mm. Is that cool for you? Is that uncool? Would you rather us talk about games? And also, are there things that you want us to talk about on the show in general? Um, I think letting us know via Twitter, our Twitter handles are in the show notes as well or in the discord or something. Um, let us know if you have any feedback for the show, because we've been doing it for over a year at this point and uh, wow. you all helped it grow. Uh, so you can help it be better if you have some. Yeah, notes. I mean, I think I, I definitely agree. Like, let us know what you per- like talking about. I will point out that the last couple episodes, we've had a lot of really nice discussion around questions you all have brought up in the discord or to us like on Twitter. Yeah, I could see maybe uh, like I don't know, like what form that will take or that I can't really promise that that would be like a consistent thing but I definitely encourage all of you if there is something that interests you that you would like to hear discussed or even just to discuss in the discord like we're always open to that I think that that kind of goes with our intention for the show is to discuss our experience um and not not to have any kind of like uh super concrete like review or anything like we're just sort of discussing our experience um i always in my head i've segment segmented it where there are episodes where brendan and i talk about a game we both have played Mm -hmm. there's ones where i we talk about a game that only one of us have played and then there's Um, nintendo directs and Nintendo Directs, which are the chaotic evil episodes where <laughs> I just like I something about the Nintendo Directs. I see a spotlight in my head. I'm like time to go all out. Mm-hmm. And we just have a very strange episode. My most insecure ones are the ones where I've only played something and I'm like just gushing about it. You're like, cool. All right. Great. Great. Great job, Steven. Good night. Um, But it's always a good time. But yeah, let us know what you like being discussed and we will uh, we will we're down to experiment. Um, So. All right. Cool. Good job, Steven. Good night. <laughs> I see how much that sucks now. I'll stop doing that. <laughs> um, no, but that's uh, that's it. That's it for this week. Uh, thank you mm-hmm. all, and goodbye for real, actually, this time. Yeah, goodbye for real. Thanks for everything. Good night.